Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another episode of the Food Fan Show for you. And the Food Fan Show is a podcast that I do for Substack. Please sign up for my Substack newsletter. And it is it is also turned into a radio show to be broadcast here locally in Asheville on WPVM 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains. Everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with my good friend and Asheville's good friend, Mr. Sam Cossack from Mother Ocean Market, the wonderful seafood market up there on Merriman Avenue. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, very well, my friend. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for being able to join me on the show today. It's always great to see you. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you reaching out and uh, giving me the invitation. It's always Always fun to chat either this way or getting together and eating some food. Uh, we haven't done that in a while, so we got to do that soon. Fact, we will. Last person I chatted with was Ethan Bonnell from the um, Pizza Daddy. And you introduced me to Ethan and brought me out to, what was it? The What was the name of the market that we went to? That's Santa? the Inca Candler Market. Candler, yep. Inca Candler Market. Inca Candler Market. Yep, yep. Yeah, I actually saw that uh, that podcast. It was pretty cool. Okay, cool, uh, cool. Sad to see that he's not going to have pizzas for a little while, but, you know, got a lot of things going on, so I get it. Well, I'm going to imagine that we can fill in the gaps with some seafood in the meantime. It's Mr. true. Sam, um, let's cut to the chase. Uh, in the little pre-show meeting, we you said you got a lot going on. Why don't you just enumerate what you've got going on at Mother Ocean Market? Sure. So um, we are uh, get March 20th of 2020 was when we opened up in the middle of COVID. Um, the first year and a half was pretty challenging. Um, at the end of last year, uh, we were truly sliding sideways into January and didn't really know if we were going to make it through this year. Um, and I reached out to a dear friend um and uh just a dear friend christy quinn who owns the smoky park supper club and said hey chris is this kind of where i'm at and she said sam i got you boo as she as she says and uh she started throwing some caterings our way and that kept us afloat um until spring of last year or spring of this year excuse me um and uh we've just been wildly successful with doing pop-ups at people's houses that want you know just uh an oyster shucker there um at their private residence for a weekend event or uh we're, we've teamed up and we're doing uh things with mountain Bizworks uh for them as far as fundraisers um so that being being all that being said uh we're going to launch another business uh called helen's catering um, and that should come towards the end of this year, beginning of next. Um, Helen was my mom's name. She was kind of the one that got me into food. Um, she loved to entertain. She loved to have people over. So it's uh, Mother Ocean Market, acronym for mom. Uh, another homage to mom here again. Um, fast forwarding very quickly, uh, we also got the opportunity in this right around the summertime to uh, take over the uh, the food truck at Plebe down at the winery in the River Arch District. And we've been doing that now since uh, 
end of August, beginning of September. Uh, it's been a slow start, a uh, completely different menu uh, than uh, what Chris Cox has at our storefront that actually won us third place um, in the Mountain Express for best seafood restaurant in Western North Carolina, even though you've been there and we're not a restaurant. We just no, got a, we just got but, a few But Go the ahead. food is awesome. And you mentioned Chef Chris Cox, and he's long been one of my favorite chefs. People will remember him from his Malvern days, as well as being the burger boy with the burger gang uh, every, every week at Broadway Bar down on yep. Broadway. Yep. And uh, just a really great guy, really sort of beloved character in our food scene. Mm -hmm. And now he's in the kitchen at, at mom. And um, I went to the, you rolled out his menu for some of the press people and some of your friends and stuff. Yep. So I ate a bunch of stuff off of the menu, but that was quite a while ago. Has the menu changed? I, I'm curious to know is, is the fish business seasonal? Uh, so the fish business, the fish business has been all over the place. Yes, it is definitely seasonal. Um, we're going to slow down right now. And once we get into um, after the holidays in January, a lot of your fishermen are tired. They've been out fishing and we see a, a really a, a scarceness of, of fresh seafood out in the area come January. So, you know, we just got to be prepared for those things. But without uh, I can't I can't hit this farther home than than I than I already have between the caterings and having Chris in the in the kitchen, uh, we've li literally went from just being a seafood market to being considered a restaurant he's increased our uh our food sales in our uh kitchen a hundred percent uh from last year so uh that between those two things that is a reason why we're still talking about seafood right now that's fantastic yeah i just want to go over what you just said for the listeners you went from not knowing if you were going to still be in business in january mm -hmm. to now it's uh october you've right. got your business is thriving sales are up 100 percent. you're about to open a second business a catering business and you just took over a food truck that's amazing and and uh the final kicker is is that we've been going up to banner out north carolina for the last two years setting up a tent kind of like uh, the, the way that we got the, uh, the, the storefront on Merriman Avenue was setting up in Vinny's parking lot. And thanks Eric Sheffer for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been doing that for two years, um, in in Banner Elk and we will open up a storefront there. That'll just be three days a week, uh, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Uh, hopefully that's all I want for Christmas is that second store. So hopefully we can, uh, we can cut a ribbon on that before the end of the year. Wow. Sam, I didn't know any of this i oh i mean i knew about chris cox of course being in your kitchen but all of this is news to me um and i'm sure it's news and good news great news as a matter of fact to the listeners as well um so just wildly successful bringing fish to the mountains of north carolina i love it um people you know i do food tours and so i deal with a lot of people from all over the country People from the middle of the country where they don't get a lot of fresh seafood, although, you know, it gets flown all over. Um, and then people from the coast that are like, yeah, we don't know if we're going to eat any seafood here in Asheville. And I always tell them, please indulge in the seafood here in Asheville. It is as fresh as can be. And, sir, you're one of the reasons that that 
I mean, you've been bringing seafood up here to Asheville for how many years now before the store uh, even opened? 2016 is when I started underneath the tent. Um, and uh, I'll lead with that. And the other thing that we've been, we've had to be able to flex with our businesses is that the prices that I used to sell seafood for in 2018 are what I'm buying them for in 2022. So uh, the 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 uh the profit margin and handing you a piece of uh grouper across the counter has 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 shrunk dramatically so how do we make those things up we make them up with chris cox's in the kitchen we make them up with caterings and we make them up with a food truck and we also make it up with going to uh, a community that has uh, a lot of disposable income and no seafood at all so that's kind of uh, you know kind of just rewrite the book as we're as we're as, as it's happening because we're not going to fail. There you go. We're not going to fail, dude. Uh, this is the kind of entrepreneurial capitalism that I just admire so much in this town. There's people that, um, you know, there's people with goals, different goals. You know, there's a whole spectrum of goals. Everything from I just want to work part time and then drive my truck down south and kick it for a little bit in the right. winter to we want to have an ever-expanding business model like white duck or, or tupelo honey um and here we have you not only expanding but diversifying your offerings as well not just another mom but another mom plus a food truck plus the catering you know you you it's really admirable to see you shift and pivot with the times, which are really tough. I mean, I'm talking to every restaurateur, so I or not every restaurateur, but a lot of them. <laughs> and uh and the story's the same across the board. You know, the pr prices went boo, through the roof. And so the eaters, of course, you know feel that too. And oh, yeah. and we have also had to adjust. Uh thankfully employment is very high right now so i can afford to adjust a little bit because i'm doing fine and i hope that other people are doing well enough to also adjust with these price increases it's part of life right it's, it's true um, yeah and we just pivot and we work with it and you're a fantastic example for people to um to look up to you know just to be honest with you sam Thank you, Stu. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean it. You've I've I I've watched you, you shift. Yeah. I remember. Do you remember? I always bring this up every time we're together. You fed <laughs> me a raw oyster on South Lake North Lexington Avenue, sketchiest parts of town back in the day. And I I was just like eating raw oysters on the sidewalk. And I made a post about it, and somebody was all like, Stu do not take raw oysters from strangers on the sidewalk. And I was like, this person's no stranger. And I would take oysters from this man anywhere, anytime. It was literally out of the back of my SUV, out of a, out of a cooler. Yep. yep. I, I remember, remember that very fondly. And somewhere in my, in my memories in Google, it, it, it popped up not too long ago. And if I, if I can find it again, I'll share it with you. There's okay. a great, there's a great picture of the two of us. Uh Yes. For one thing, you're very tall. I'm very short. We look great together. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sam, well, thanks for giving us the update on everything. And I want to encourage people to get out to Merriman Avenue, uh, check their website, check, give them a call, make sure the hours are 
you know what you're expecting i tell everybody call call if you're the least bit like not sure about the hours because they do shift all the time not not for you guys necessarily but the whole world yes. and, and so yeah but that's not the only reason you're here brother you're here for another no, reason it is yeah you're i'm excited to... are you are you nervous yeah. uh, i hope you lob me some softballs and uh and let me just say this win or lose um i'm i'm so dedicated to this that i'm gonna donate regardless of whether i get the answer right or wrong okay i love this so sam is here to play uh food trivia for mana food bank something i've been doing with my guests and my friends and i ask a series of food trivia questions we've got five for you today sam for okay. each question sam gets correct i will donate money to mana food bank for each one he gets incorrect he will donate money to mana food bank and Sam, I'm I'm over a hundred dollars into this already myself, playing with my friends. So, they, I've been making the questions too easy, I think. So I, I, I think so. I tried to come up with some tough questions for you here. Okay. Uh, now, since you're the seafood expert and you know everything about the the ocean and fish and stuff like that, I decided all your questions will be about vegetables. Great. And fruits, things that grow out of the earth. So instead and of the Instead of the palms de mer, we're going to have the palms de terre. Well, and, you know, that's great. I don't, I don't, I won't look like such an idiot if I get something wrong then, too. So I'm okay with that. That's right. You're outside of your comfort zone here. Yes. All right. And as usual, for the month of October, they are also Halloween related. Okay. All right. So here's question number one. According to Wikipedia, the name Jack O'Lantern is tied to the Irish legend of a gentleman named Stingy Jack who bargained with Satan and lost. And as a result, he was doomed to roam the earth for all eternity with only a hot coal inside of a hollowed out vegetable to light his way. Which vegetable was it? This is multiple choice. Was it A, a potato, B, a pumpkin, C, a turnip, or D, a rutabaga? So I had no idea about that story. So thanks for the education there. Sure. Um, I'm here to educate. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. What? What am I? What am? Give them it to me again one more time because I was so fascinated with the story. <laughs> we have a a potato, b a pumpkin, c a turnip, d a rutabaga. Which is the original vegetable used to make jack o' lanterns? Okay, so there's a little out. Uh, there's a little hint right there. I'm gonna go with rutabaga. I think pumpkin's too easy of an answer. Um. Just put me down for rutabaga. All right. Put you down for $5 to man a food bank, my friend. That is incorrect. <laughs> uh, the correct answer is a turnip. Really? A turnip is the traditional vegetable for jack-o'-lanterns, which to me seems strange because you got to like hollow it, it and they're small, yeah. but whatever, you know, I guess they had a lot of turnips back in the day. Nope, most definitely, most definitely. Okay, okay. All right. so one for one for me. Uh, all right, one one for mana, shall we say? One for mana, yes. There we go. All right, so way back in the day, along with turnips, something called a mangle wurzel was also hollowed out to make jack o' lanterns. The question is, Sam, and again, it's multiple choice. What the hell is a mangle wurzel? Is it a tough root, generally used to feed cows? A twisted, inedible, wild gourd, 
a giant spherical mushroom with mild hallucinogenic properties or a large hard sausage. Wow. Yeah. Um, Along with turnips was the mangle wurzel, but what was it? Um, you know, I'm I'm throwing darts at a, a dartboard blindfolded here. Good. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go with the magic mushroom just because just because. Just because you're wearing a tie-dye t-shirt, I couldn't help notice. <laughs> there is that. Yeah, so you have a wizardly beard as well. <laughs> and you yeah. are incorrect, sir. That's another $5 to Mana Food Bank. What is it? A mangle wurzel is a large root vegetable grown in northern Europe to feed cows, pigs, and other stock animals. So okay. it, was, it was a a tough root used to feed cows. The word is from the German word for shard and root. So it's a shard root. And it is also called a mangle beet, a field beet, a fodder beet. And this one I love, a root of scarcity, which hmm. tells me that it is edible for people, but only when everything else is gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of human beets. Let's eat the cow food and then the cow. First the cow and then the beets, the I would cow. imagine. Yeah. All right. So you're... you're Oh, for two. Let's go for question number three. It was here in America that pumpkins were introduced as the traditional material for Halloween jack-o'-lanterns to be carved from. A pumpkin okay. seems better than a turnip or a mangle wurzel for a lot of reasons, and a pumpkin is a lot of things. It is not, however, one of the following. I'm going to read a list of things, and a pumpkin is all of them except for one. A pumpkin is a squash. A pumpkin is a gourd. A pumpkin is a fruit. A pumpkin is a vegetable. It is all of those things but one. Which one? I'll say it's not a fruit. Sam, I love it. That's $15. You're kicking over to Mana Food Bank. You are incorrect, sir. It is not a vegetable. <laughs> all right. This is why I went down this road of whether I win or lose, I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and kick down five bucks. You know, Dude. it's a, path of re least resistance here there you go there you go and let me tell you not all gourds are squash but many squashes are gourds and a pumpkin is both a squash and a gourd now from a botanist perspective a pumpkin is a fruit because it is a product of the seed bearing structure of the flowering plant whereas vegetables are the edible portion of the plant such as leaves stems roots bulbs flowers and tubers there we go and there we go. Why we all know a tomato is a fruit. Although when I was a little kid, that just blew my mind. It did mine too. Yeah. yeah. Fruit is sweet, we we think, you know. But no, a pumpkin is a fruit. All right, Sam. This one should maybe a little bit easier because it's just true <laughs> or false. So you got a 50-50 chance of getting this one right. We've narrowed it down. <laughs> yes. The tradition of bobbing for apples, we're changing course over to apples. Uh bobbing for apples dates back to the time of the Druids who were forced by invading Roman soldiers to pull apples from cauldrons of boiling water using nothing but their teeth with their hands tied behind their backs or be decapitated if they refused. Is that the origin of bobbing for apples, true or false? God, that's pretty serious if it is. I mean, that's uh, that's no joke. Those Romans. Um, those Ro well, yeah, and that's. I think I'm going to go with that's probably yes. That's a correct. Sam, you're my favorite competitor ever. That is incorrect, sir. False. Uh, bobbing for apples was probably introduced to the Celts uh, when Sam Hain 
or Samhain was melded with the Roman harvest uh, festival of Pomona, during which bobbing for apples was used as an art of divination to predict mm -hmm. matters of the heart. So okay. totally opposite. Just totally if, opposite. if you can get the apple, I guess your true love can't resist you. <laughs> I don't know how they bobbed for apples for divination of matters of the heart, but I'm going to guess if you got the apple, love was coming your way. Okay. All yeah. right. I can see. Hey, you know what? I feel like I'm in eighth grade again. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. See, I thought that my questions were too easy, so I did make them a little harder for you. Sam. Appreciate but you, Don't too. feel bad. Yeah. I don't feel bad. All right. Here's the last one. Okay. Yeah. Invented by candy maker William W. Kolb in 1908, candy apples have been around for over 100 years. Kolb originally coated a few apples in hard candy shells strictly for display in his shop window, never intending for them to be eaten. The customers were so intrigued, however, and the candy apples were so delicious, they soon became a nationwide phenomena. The question is, what flavor was the candy on Kolb's original candy apples. Still Spenemon? the most traditional. Oh, correct. Ding, ding, ding. He gets one, ladies and gentlemen. I was so stunned I just blurted out that you were correct. I should have let you twist in the wind for a little bit there, Sam. <laughs> but you got one. Dude, I got one. Your knowledge of candy apples is, is uh, impressive. I'm going to fall back on being uh, half Canadian. And, uh, you know, eating a lot of Macintosh apples that were candied as a kid. And I remember mom would actually put a cinnamon stick in that before she candied them. Wow. Your mom made homemade candied apples. Man, she did it all. This is why your store is named after her and your catering business. Like, And from one mama's boy to another, I totally appreciate all that level of, uh, of, of love for your own mom. Yeah. But how lucky were you to have homemade cinnamon candy apples and that you can thank your mom one more time because she saved you five dollars <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna give that five dollars regardless to Manna. so um i'm in i'm in for the for the whole lot well sam you're a wonderful person and a and a real uh sport for playing food trivia for Manna with me and um and we're lucky to have you here in Asheville. thank you Stu. we're get lucky to have you in Asheville. so there's that too yeah, get out of town. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, you have a wonderful day, and we will check in with you soon. Oh, quickly, what is your web address? It is uh, www.momavl.com. Momavl.com. Love it. And what is your address out there on Merriman? Uh, it's uh, 640 Merriman Avenue, and it's Suite 101, but it's right beside uh, the Hop Ice Cream. Super easy to see. If you can see the Hop, we're just to the left of them. Fantastic. All right, Sam, have a great day. I'll talk to you Thank again you. soon. Thank you, friend. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, the food fan, and I am here in the S&W cafeteria building, and I'm here with Chef Santiago Vargas. And, Chef, you have some exciting news. Go ahead and tell us what's happening. Oh, yeah. We are so excited to be one of the first Peruvian spots here in SW Market. Um, the name is going to be Mi Casa Criolla, means Criolle. So that's important for us to promote Peruvian food here in, in the downtown, you know. And, yeah, I'm so excited. 
I, I'm super excited too, Chef. I think it's a great addition to the SW Cafeteria space. Um, and you're a well-known chef in town for your out-of-the-blue Peruvian food truck. And how long have you been cooking for us here in Asheville? Well, I just been here in 2015. Opened a food truck five years in a row. One of the, I think, so one of my best experiences here in Asheville to promote our Peruvian food here. And then after that, yeah, uh, two years doing pop-ups, one year doing cater, uh, uh, wedding, big weddings right now, and then just another step must, uh, step more to open this uh, new brand. Right. You know? And the, the brick and mortar. Yes. Uh, the yes. coveted goal yes. of the brick and mortar. Uh, no, your partner, no, 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 Ana, says... No excuse to, to, to find me. You know what I mean? You can come here and grab whatever you want. You have ceviches, empanadas, panini. Uh, we have dessert, one of the favorites here in town. Uh, we include two more uh, best ingredients here. Aji amarillo is the yellow uh, pepper. And growing here, Franny Farms growing, and then another farm is growing to us. And yes, we try to promote and grow a couple of things here in Nashville, and then we we don't need my country to bring the Peruvian pepper, so that's a good sign. That's you know? great, you don't have to import those <laughs> yes, peppers. Yes. That's a long way to go for exactly, a pepper. Yes. Um, and you have a partner, Anna, and how, and you guys have been cooking together for three or four years now? Well, right now with Anna, my partner is one year partner with me, with Mikasa ABL. We have the same vision, promote Peruvian food here. I'm the, I'm the part of the, the, the creator of the, the menu. She's the business girl, like entrepreneur, to working for the same vision, you now to promote Peruvian food here in Asheville. And then, well, we have a good company, Nicole, uh, Mikasa ABL, and then have a little concept inside. So don't surprise to be in maybe two years doing another thing, so. Okay, that's fantastic yes, news yes. for us here in mm -hmm. Asheville, and a great addition to the S&W Cafeteria. So nowadays you have farm dogs making house-made hot dogs, bun intended for steamed bao buns, Buxton Chicken Palace featuring just their chicken sandwiches. And then you have the hop for wonderful local uh, ice cream and lots of vegan flavors of ice cream at the hop. And the anchor business is the Highland Brewery, one of the original breweries in Asheville. I think their flagship beer came out in 1995 or something yes, like that. Yes, so, yes. And so to have you guys here in the S&W is a great addition to this lineup. And uh, Thank you. great news for the locals of downtown because yes, one thing about having a food truck is you're hard to find, so now they know where to find you at the yes. S&W Cafeteria right in the heart of downtown Nashville. No excuse, Nashville. no excuse. No excuse. All right, Chef. Well, thanks for talking to <laughs> us and good luck. Too. When are you going to be open? We will. Hopefully, we try to run this fast, so we have one month to uh, put together the good de uh, new design from uh, to our stand, and then first, December 1st, going to be grand opening for Asheville. Yeah? Okay, December 1st. I'll yes, be looking forward yes, to it, Chef. Yes. All right, thanks. Thank you, Sue. Bye-bye. Thank you, my friend. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helma, food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I have a special guest, as I always do. Do I ever say any of my guests are not special? They're all special. Patrick, you are a special person. My guest today is Chef Patrick O'Kane from Ganshan Station. Hey brother, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us today, man. Uh, I'm glad you could be here. Thanks. I'm glad to be here too. And just so you know, and remember, Stu, Ganshan Station is no more. It's just Ganshan West. Just Ganshan West. Okay, that'll take me a while to remember. <laughs> it's, it's like 
<laughs> like when I changed my name from Stuart to Stu. Yes. I, had to, I had to grandfather in a bunch of people who still call me Stuart. So forgive me, Patrick. Gonshawn West, and tell us where you're located over there in West Asheville, as long as we're We're over there. on Haywood Road, right on Beecham's Curve. That's so, great. Um, and, yeah. it's, and I saw you. We ran into each other at the Tall John's uh, opening over okay. there in Monford, and I already did a verbal as well as a written review. I gave it great reviews. I hope you enjoyed your meal as well. I did, yeah. We had a great time. The space looks amazing. Love it. Trevor's doing great food. I'm, I'm really excited to get back and uh, get back for not just a soft opening, to go in there and see how things are Running. Me too. For one thing, they selected our meals for us. And while they did a good job of selecting mine, the half roasted chicken, I love chicken. I was kind of looking at the menu before the chicken came out and I was like, I hope I get that steak. And then I was like, you oh, got the like, steak. You got the steak. How was it? Oh, it was great. Oh man. And I need to go back and get that schnitzel as well. I'm going to try to go back as soon as possible. Yeah. But let's talk about your restaurant, Patrick. What's going on at Ganshan West these days? Um, just freeform for us, if you staying, don't mind. Yeah, staying really busy. You know, we, a lot of, I mean, everyone was affected by the pandemic, obviously, and restaurants were hit uh, in a pretty big way. I was, I had just sold Ganshan Station at that point, the Charlotte Street location, in January of 2020, or I guess we finalized it in February. And then in March, all that stuff rolls around. So I was fresh on the heels of closing one restaurant, really committed to not doing that with another. Yes. Um, and so that I also knew that um, the restaurant industry is a really hard industry and we were all any excuse to kind of take a break and reset. Um, I, I so understand that motivation, but I knew that it would be a really, really difficult thing to pick back up afterwards. So we actually never closed Gunshot West. We, yeah, I noticed. Shifted, we changed some hours. Uh, we went to dinner only and um, really focused. And I, I started kind of a, a media campaign, actually sent out a lot of um, direct mail to mm. all of all of West Asheville with our menu saying, hey, we're open and and um, and yeah, and it worked out really well. You know, we've carried that momentum through the entire pandemic and also into where we are now. And um, so it's it, great. It's, we've, we're we we've been a real fortunate story success story with all this so and i i attribute that mainly to the team that we have over there uh ray Kui, who's in the kitchen he's the chef mm -hmm. over there he has we've had a he's doing great things with the food we've gotten more consistent uh he's brought in a new few a few new dishes that have been really well received and we had a really consistent staff over there for about three years, which or which is or two years, yeah, All, almost zero turnover. That's fantastic, unheard of in the unheard restaurant of. industry. And even um, in the good times, that's unheard even in the good of, times. Right? Yeah, even <laughs> yeah. in the good times. And so, just really grateful for his leadership and management of that kitchen and. The whole team and stepping up and really making this making it happen that's great patrick and i of course was 
during that shutdown, I was at home. I started working for Kickback. So I worked at home for a while, for about a year and a half. And I was observing what was going on with the restaurants, you know, and I sure as heck observed what was going on with Ganshan. And I can tell you straight up, I really admired your push to to stay viable to stay in the public eye and now hearing you say you did direct mail like you put stamps on envelopes and stuff man that's that's like above and beyond duty right <laughs> like that's amazing but you do what you got to do to stay in business and as you said you closed down one and you didn't want to lose the other because then game over and unless yeah. it got to start all over basically so well and it wasn't just me too i mean this was as most restaurant owners, I think we, we really feel a sense of responsibility to the staff mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, we are responsible ultimately for the livelihoods of the people that work for us. And yeah. I knew that I wanted to provide, we, we lost some staff right at the beginning just because they weren't comfortable mm -hmm. uh, with being there. And that's totally like, I totally understand that, but it was only one or two people mm -hmm. and they'd shifted on and been successful in other things. And, and the rest of the staff stayed on and we uh, just took it and grew out of our to-go window, which was uh, an unforeseen blessing to yeah. have, you know, right. You have a very small space over there for one thing. Yeah. So again, even during the good times, it's like you got to have turnover, you got to have to-go orders um, in order to survive with a small space. So then it was like that pivot during the pandemic shutdown. I'm not going to say it was easy for you, but you, of course it wasn't, but I feel like you were in a good position because you already had these issues of a small space before the pandemic even came around. Yeah, we were, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was, it, it was certainly easier for us than it, was, than it was for others. You know, we had, I had already built the space to have it to go window to service the patio, but also, you know, this vision before I knew we were confined to 900 square feet, mm -hmm. which was over 600 of that is kitchen space tiny little dining room totally and um so i knew that in order to really supplement the business we would have to have that to go element Absolutely. and chinese food and asian food in general just lends itself so well to that um so we we've been i'm just i'm so proud of what we've been able to accomplish in such uh with such constraint and it's it's beyond what i ever would have imagined Brother, it's been great to watch you push forward to be successful, to remain successful, uh, and to remain really a, a local favorite to this very day. And I'm sure you're even more of a favorite because you were there for us during the shutdown, which I found the restaurants that were there for us consistently during the shutdown, they got even a more loyal local following as a result of that, because the eaters, we, we needed some comfort in our lives and we find comfort from food. And so when the restaurants were providing us with comfort, that really touched our hearts as well as just satisfied our need to eat, you know? And so I, I don't want to um, go on too long about it, but I really do admire the way that you tended to your staff, your customers, your restaurant during that pandemic and have come out the other side as strong as ever and perhaps even stronger, would you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, by far, we're doing a lot more business than we were in a shorter period of time. Um, 
That's great. Back in 20, yeah, back in the start of 2020. So that's great. And Super Patrick, fun. let's talk about food. So you mentioned there Ray. are some new items on your menu. What's what's new on the menu over there at Ganshan? So Ray, so Ray is um he comes from a family of restaurateurs. His parents own a Chinese restaurant. They're um they're from China. And so Ray's a first generation uh Chinese American and uh, and they they have a yeah so they have a restaurant down there and they have it's a Chinese American restaurant so Ray grew up in the restaurant industry which is why he's continued on with it mm-hmm. and um, he went down let's say maybe a year twenty twenty one sometime during twenty twenty one to visit his parents you know he worked all through mm-hmm. twenty twenty and was like Ray you need a break go visit your go visit your folks he went down there. Learned his father's recipe for General So's chicken okay. and brought it back up. And so now okay. we have an offering of General So's chicken and uh an Asheville friendly General So's tofu, um, which which is really, really delicious. Oh, so, I'm sure. I um, love tofu. And of course, the first time I ate it as a kid was in Chinese food. Like yeah. in the 70s, you didn't buy blocks of tofu to put in your house unless you were a hardcore hippie. And so, but I certainly ate plenty of it without even really knowing it. And so Chinese food is a perfect place for tofu. Yeah. And we've gone to, so we we put spring rolls on the menu. Ray's brought that in. Nice. Uh, Doing a variety of rotating specials. And then we also started pulling some more stuff from Ganshan Station. Uh, That menu was a little bit different, less comfort focused, more kind of forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but we took some of the classic favorites from there, like coconut squash soup, which we had since 2015 and Don Don Brussels sprouts, which are back on the menu now, which are also was also an early, early dish that we had over there. So it, it's great. We have such a rep- repertoire of, yeah. uh, of recipes to choose from because we've had we did so much over at that Charlotte street location that uh, so we can easily fold in specials and uh, tweak the menu. But what we found with this really is consistency with our top offerings, you know, rice bowls, people just love rice bowls and comforting and, and filling and nourishing and all the above. And that's what we're really, that's really the mission of the restaurant is to build and nourish community so dude um, you're the best (laughs) like you're just awesome and so it sounds like you've introduced some traditional chinese american restaurant dishes like the spring rolls and some perhaps um more chef driven dishes that were at ganchan station Station. yeah so that's great so simultaneously getting sort of more accessible and more exciting at the same time, in my yeah. opinion. Um, yeah, I think that um, that's a good way of putting it. Okay. And do you have um, plans for the winter? Like what what happens with Ganshan over the winter? Does, does so we just, we stay the course. Um, okay. you know, we've, we have a great synergy with the other businesses on Beecham's Curve um archetype especially mm-hmm. so we have a relationship with them people come you know our dining room is really small i think yes. we see 16 people maybe right. yeah. not not many at all and so a lot of people come over to archetype scan their qr code we 
deliver and then order their food and we will walk it over to you at archetype so that's fantastic um it's it's worked out really well they benefit from it we benefit from it mm -hmm. and people also order pizza mind which they're great neighbors mm -hmm. um while over at archetype so we the synergy of businesses that is on that corner really just makes sense and it's it's a wonderful little wonderful little community of it is. Um, I remember when Beecham's Curve had nothing. Like there was just nothing going on on Beecham's Curve. There were short street cakes a little further down in Urban Orchard right. further down. But the curve itself was just like, uh, shall I say, full of potential. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's a pretty exciting part of West Asheville, in my opinion, because across the street, you've got this beautiful business building that I believe has a tattoo parlor in it and some other yep. businesses and Yep. So you guys kind of were among the pioneers, quote unquote, of Beecham's Curve with uh, Ganshan Archetype Brewing, um, Pizza Mind, and right next door, you've got Owl, Owl. Bakery. Yeah. Yep. And some of the most exciting food makers and, and a brewery uh, in town. So Beecham's Curve gotten so much better yeah. in the past 10 years. Um, and uh, Patrick, so you were talking about your chef, Ray. Now, where did you meet Ray? So Ray started cooking for me as line cook back in 20, what's it, 2018, 2017 or 2018. Okay. Um, he had come up from Florida, was cooking part-time at uh, Asheville Pizza and okay. came over to Ganshan and we hired him. And so he's been with me for, yeah, five, six years now. I mean, oh, that's, that's great. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah, it, it's been great. And, you know, over that period of time, Ray has grown from a line cook into a sous chef into a chef and he's running, running things over there. And it's, it's really inspiring to see, um, you know, as a young man grow into grow into himself. Mm -hmm. I'm a leader and um, I'm immensely proud of Ray. That's so cool. Accomplished. Um, that's so cool because you yourself are an accomplished chef. It's your restaurant and you're able to provide a space and a springboard for a young chef to really get their act together to see how you run your restaurant. Of course, they have a race seems to have a lifetime of experience of seeing people watch or watching people run restaurants with his parents. But uh, every restaurant's different. And so he get different experience from you. Um, well, Patrick, I want to really encourage the folks to get on into Ganshan West and try your yeah. new traditional dishes, your new non-traditional, or they're probably traditional, but they just aren't as uh, well-known in America as like spring rolls or yeah. uh, chicken kung pao. Is that what you said was traditional? Kung, uh, not kung pao chicken. It, uh, General says chicken. General says. Oh, I love General says. All right. I'll have to come in and try that myself. Oh, yeah, please do. I and will. you can order online, you know, our online ordering platform, super easy to, to navigate. And we've got a lot of people ordering online and swing by the pickup window. Uh, it travels well. I'd recommend if you're going to get the ramen to eat it, eat it in okay. at the restaurant. It It's one of those things that we've got such a demand for it. And people, if we would, if we were to not offer it to go, um, then people will be really upset. Personally, however, I think that it is best enjoyed very hot as soon as it's cooked. All right. So maybe eat your ramen while you're waiting for your uh, <laughs> other food to go. 
All right, Patrick. Well, um, I uh, I invited you on not just to talk about Ganshan and what's going yep. on with you, but also to play a little bit of food trivia for Mano Food Bank. Are you <laughs> okay. are you ready for this? Yeah. yeah. All right, man. I have four questions for you. And uh-huh. the way it works is if you get the questions right, I got to kick some money to mana. You get them wrong. You got to kick some money to mana. There's $5 on the line for every question here. So I have four okay. questions, total of 20 bucks on the line for you here. Okay. Are you ready? Sounds like I'll be paying 20 bucks. <laughs> Maybe these <laughs> questions could be kind of easy. Let's see. They're all Halloween themed as my questions have been all October oh, okay. yep. and they're all food related as well. Although some of this is sort of questionable as in terms of food. Um, all right. Question number one, Patrick, kind of an easy one. How many pounds of Halloween candy are consumed by Americans every year? And this is a multiple choice. Okay. Uh, and it's just Halloween candy. So during the Halloween season, how much is consumed per person? Is it 12 pounds per person, 24 pounds per person, or 48 pounds of Halloween candy per person in the United States? God, I hope it's 12. <laughs> well, your hopes and dreams have been dashed on the rocks. Oh, no. No, really? <laughs> According to According to the Huffington Post, Americans purchase nearly 600 million pounds of candy each year just for Halloween. That's 24 pounds of candy per American oh. per year. I wow. hope you're eating your 24 wow. pounds a year, Patrick. Yeah. Um, all right. And sticking with the theme of quantities, how heavy was the world's heaviest pumpkin? And this one's also multiple choice. Was it 254 pounds? 1,524 pounds or 3,699 pounds? I think it was 1,500. Patrick, I love it because this is costing you money and not me. (laughs) (laughs) That is incorrect. The largest pumpkin was a whopping 3,699 pounds grown by a German farmer uh, considered to be the world's biggest ever all right moving on to question number three and you're doing great so far patrick i love your answers uh the first printed sweet pumpkin pie recipe appears in the cookbook american cookery and is similar to the modern pies we enjoy today now the question is what century was this recipe printed was it printed in the 1500s the 1700s or the 1900s American cookery. First pumpkin well, pie recipe. Well, it's it is called American cookery, so it's got to be seventeen seventy six was when kind of America. So I think that I'm gonna go with seventeen hundreds. Well, Patrick, you got one right. <laughs> That's great. You got one right. Yes, I. The, America did not exist in the fifteen hundreds. And yeah, the first pumpkin pie recipe was printed in 1796. So just 20 years after the the Declaration of Independence was signed, they were like, now we're a country, we need some pie. (laughs) Yes. All right, your last question. It's kind of similar to the biggest pumpkin ever recorded. How big is the biggest apple ever recorded? Now imagine bobbing for the biggest apple ever, Patrick. Was it A? Four pounds, one ounce. B, one pound, four ounces. C, 
10 pounds, three ounces, or D, 20 pounds even. Heaviest apple ever recorded. 10 pounds. I, I love your enthusiasm for large apples. And I love it that I don't have to pay another five dollars. <laughs> it was four pounds. Four pounds. The largest <laughs> apple was four pounds. I was like, "What? Like, I've been going small. <laughs> been going small all up to this point." I was like, "You know what? Ten pound apple. That's a big old apple. Big apple. Why not?" Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that apple, but a, a four pound apple is huge too. I saw a picture of the gentleman who grew it, a, a Japanese guy named. Chisato Iwasaki grew this apple and he's holding it and it's like the size of a pumpkin pretty much. So it's a wow. giant apple. Yeah. Wow. Well, Patrick, you got three out of four incorrect. Three out you of got... four. 15 bucks to mana. That's right. And brother, I've got my own mana food bank donation drive going on Facebook. So I'll send you the link to that so that you awesome. can contribute to that, which will contribute to our total. We are shooting for $5,000 for mana by December 31st. We have already raised $2,000. So we're doing great and your money definitely helps. And I'd like to remind everybody that for every dollar that people donate to MANA, they can provide four meals to people in need. So in terms of bang for your buck, when it comes to charitable giving, you can't do much better than MANA. Well, Patrick, thank you for playing, man. Thanks, Stu, for having me. This was, uh, this was awesome. That's oh, man. Great. It's always, always great. great to spend time with you. And Same. Um, yeah, shoot. I'm not sure what we're what we're what we are and what we aren't allowed to say on this. So shoot the crap. Uh yeah. So thank you. We're not allowed to say swear words because this does, does get broadcast on the radio. Oh, um, but yeah, it's always great to see you, man. I'm so psyched to run into you at Tall John's. And Patrick, I'm just gonna say this. I've known you for 10 years. You look exactly the same since the day I met you, you know, like you don't have a gray hair, your beard, you weigh the same, you look the same. I look 20 years older since we met. I don't know. But I just I I just want to say, and I'm sorry if you don't like to take compliments, but you look great, brother. And yeah, it's always nice to see you. Yeah. yeah. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, your contribution it's it's been really awesome watching you grow in the food scene as well. Oh. It started as a hobby and kind of uh uh just something to make your friends laugh has really grown and taken off into something that uh, provides a lot of a lot of good for the community. And so I really appreciate your contributions over over the years too. Well, thank you, Patrick. That's really nice of you to say. I certainly love this food scene. I love all the people in it. And golly gee whiz, I sure love that food. So, uh, <laughs> um, all right, brother. Well, great catching up to you. I hope to see you Thanks, soon. Sue. I'll come in to get some of those new dishes. Sounds great. I'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Just one last little thing before I wrap up this week's show. I wanted to tell you about a place I went to out in the mall on Tunnel Road. I went out to the mall with my friend Duncan to go to a new place called Sedino Mac. Uh, but when I got there, Sedino Mac hadn't quite opened yet. They're still getting their uh, sort of stuff set up, getting all their act together. And so there we were at the mall and nowhere to eat. And then Duncan pointed out that there was a Jamaican place there that was new. 
and I love Jamaican food. So I went over, the food was all laid out. It looked delicious. The place is called Jamaica, or I'm sorry, it's called Island Pan, Island Pan, P-A-N. And uh, looked like a lot of traditional Jamaican foods laid out in front of me, jerk chicken, oxtail, yellow rice, cabbage. So there was some mac and cheese and I got a medium order of a lot of those things you just sort of point at what you want and they load up this box for you and the medium order was a ton of food i shared it with duncan uh and it was great man it was delicious um especially i'm gonna say especially the mac and cheese for Asheville because i know how crazy you guys are for mac and cheese so get on out there and try that one it's got a nice brown sort of skin on top i mean that in the best most delicious possible way and it was nice and creamy inside and delicious the jerk chicken was awesome the cabbage was great i love yellow rice it was delicious oxtail it's something that i eat it's not my favorite piece of meat to be honest with you but i get it when it's available because it's not always available and this was delicious it was expertly cooked and the sauce that it was in went great with the rice of course and the whole experience was excellent i met the two owners who were working right there behind the counter two young gentlemen uh based on their accents i would say they're from jamaica and they introduced themselves as Fabian and Sweetheart, they I asked their names, and one of them said his name was Sweetheart. And I looked at the other one, and I was like, is he kidding me? Is he messing with me? And they were like, no, we call him Sweetheart. And so that's uh, that's always I, – I had a server a couple of weeks ago named Smiley. So I love this trend in the food industry to just – they have your name be a description of your personality. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why my name is Stu. I'm always uh, in a stew about something. I don't know. That was a terrible pun. I'm sorry, folks. I should wrap it up. Um, so go on out to the mall and try Island Pan. It's It was excellent. I enjoyed it very much. I had a lot of people comment on my post on Facebook telling me that they also enjoyed it or that they would have to go out and try it. And I ran into a new friend of mine in the food scene, the bartender at Mephil. His name is Julian. And he told me that he went there the day after he saw my post and he enjoyed it. And he said he loves Jamaican food and it was great. So if you like Jamaican food, get out to Island Pan at the mall in on Tunnel Road. All right, folks. And it's right in the food court, by the way. All right, folks. Well, I do want to say goodbye and wrap up the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you to my guests for coming on today and playing food, uh, food trivia for Mano Food Bank. Uh, we've raised over $2,000 at this point. We've got a goal for 5000 and I, I feel good that we're going to reach it. Uh, we have until December 31st to do that. So thanks for the player, to the guests for playing and for donating. Thanks to anyone else who has donated to the Mano Food Bank right now. And I want to say thanks to WPVM, 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains, a low-power uh, publicly um, like a public radio station, and they are also in their fund drive right now. So if you want to donate to a public radio station, please choose WPVM 103.7. And also I want to thank the Dorita sisters for my theme song. They, the theme song is called Cheese Wagon, and the Dorita sisters are an old, old, old school punk rock band, and they have some great songs, and Cheese Wagon is exactly what it is. It's like a 30-second 
song that's just full of bombast and it's cheesy as can be and i love it and thank you the dorita sisters for letting me use it as my theme song finally i just want to thank you guys for listening and implore you to follow me on social media facebook instagram twitter substack and youtube i am Stu helm food fan and uh that's that thanks again for listening i'll talk to you real soon bye This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.